Welcome to Sober Doc Coffee, a weekly coffee chat sharing experience, strength, and hope for anyone on the sober road to recovery. You can download Sober Doc Coffee weekly on all podcast platforms and check us out on Instagram at Sober Coffee Podcast and on Twitter at Sober Coffee Pod. To learn more about us and to help support these sessions, visit online at Sober Coffee. Here are your hosts, two guys on their own path to recovery, Mike and Glenn. Let's join them at the coffee shop. I feel like I should be an ER doctor this morning. Good morning, Glenn. <laughs> Why is that? Because I'm, I'm I got my pile of Kleenexes and oh man, you I'm are sick. yeah. You're just you're a medical uh, you're a medical walking experiment. So, but the, but I gotta say, this morning your pull-in was classic, right? So typically at the coffee shop, you know, we both get here like I don't know half hour, twenty minutes early. That's just the way we're wired, you know. Be early, don't be late, guys. <laughs> right, you know? right, right. Hey, by the way, that not was today. not that was not drunk, Mike. Drunk right. Mike was be late, leave early, right? right. Um, but now I'm drunk always Glenn, be, drunk. Yeah, Line, right never showed up never showed up. <laughs> that's how i came in so this morning this morning i'm out with our barista you know we're just chatting having us having a pre-coffee coffee and and uh and this car comes into the lot doing 95 on a turn and uh i felt felt like i was at nas, nas what is it nas uh, NASCAR. nascar yeah NASCAR. i felt like i was in the nascar NASDAQ. nasdaq parking you lot right right you. right, right. So, but uh, you survived it. You survived the turn. No, my at theme today coming. It's yeah. coming in hot. Coming in hot, right? Because right. I normally come in half hour early or whatever, and I came in two minutes early. But I hit the bell. I rang the bell. No, I've been Beautiful. sick, and, and yeah. you know, hey, I I, I get just got to share because I think this has something to do with sobriety. So you know, I've been sick the you know, last couple of days, but the last like two weeks, three weeks, my sleep has been absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Sleep is important. Oh one. my god, yeah. I mean, that's one of my priorities in in, in sobriety because mm-hmm. I mean it's just great. You know, quality sleep is great for you. So I was at the doctor yesterday, and I was like, "Hey, man, what what kind of sleep meds?" And I said, "I mm-hmm. only need five. Just give me five because I know you know. Hey, there are caution flags, and I'm like, just give me five. And, and he, he knows your scenario. Oh, absolutely. Right, I'm full sure. transparency. In right. fact, we, we celebrate sobriety every time I go in, and it's really cool, yeah. uh, which is important in sobriety. Absolutely. Your, your medical team has yeah. to know. Right? Oh, totally. So so here's what he said. He goes, well, we got this, we got this, we got this. He's going down the uh, the catalog, and he says, hey, look. He said, every single one of these mm-hmm. gets you five steps closer to a relapse. Wow. So so you took which one of the five? So you know what I said? What'd you say? I'm like, I'd rather stay awake for the rest of my life yeah. than take one of those suckers. Right, right. Yeah. You know? no, and, I, 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 that's me. Now, no. I know people out there take, you know, sure. whatever. Right, 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 right. He said, Glenn, I can't tell you how close the chemical composition is between booze and that. He says, you know, he says, I would suggest against it. I'm like, okay. dude, I'm right. So instead, I took a Benadryl. Oh, nice. He said, Glenn, just take Benadryl. Okay. I'm like, okay. Okay. And, and I got seven hours sleep, and I got 87 points on my sleep score, and wow. here I am. So, Well, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad brother. you're here safely. It's great being here, man. Yeah, great hey, being in the coffee shop. Hey, guess what? What? T- table for three today. Oh, God, I love I table for threes. What's, super, what's going on? Super stoked about this. Um, so... You know, poking around, you know, the, the the world of sobriety is small, but getting larger every day, right? Yeah, but our connections on, on this thing called social media, yeah. we meet some great folks, including this gentleman. Yeah, that's what happened here. You know, we just stumbled upon each other on our, our social media paths. And uh, and so so we've got Dean Anderson uh, with us today, and uh, he's an author i always aspire to be an uh, author smart guy yeah yeah you know oh, i had man. to i had to google how to spell authors er or or you know <laughs> i didn't know but uh but yeah hey dean good morning man morning dean hey good morning to you you guys are a trip 
Great oh, yeah, we, well, yeah, just we're ask, on one. Just ask my wife. She thinks we're hysterical. <laughs> we're on one. Yeah. yeah. And writer's a relative term. I don't know if that's what I am, but that's how it that's how it panned out. Are you a uh, are are you, so what is what is the word for like artist uh, struggling artists or whatever? Like they never have money. I mean, you, like you write the book, and and I guess if you're Stephen King, you fall into the you fall into the mix of you know I don't know how does that work. I tell you this, I I I, en- I envy the ability of uh, authors who write novels and that type of thing. I've got right. a few friends doing that, but I could never do that. This yeah. is. You know what I love about this? This is kind of self-help in a way. And yes, it's about sobriety, but I think in, in some ways, how can I be wrong if it was my experience, right? Right, You can right? have an opinion about it, right? right? But you can't be necessarily wrong since I lived it. You know what I mean? So that that's Dean, kind that of where is, I sit. And I think it's easier to write that. Yeah. yeah, Dean, that is so true. I mean, there's there's people that look at me and say, AEA doesn't work. And I'm like, what? Yeah, work for me. Right. right. Like, it might not work for you, but you can't say it doesn't work because right. it's my experience. It's my right. story. So I love how you put that, Dean. Right. And uh, so the name of the book, if I could, is Finding Myself Sober. And uh, and I, I tell you, I, I got a um, uh, I got a book, a copy of the book. And uh, and it's a it's a quick, solid read. And maybe it was quick and solid for me because it was so relatable to me. Maybe you were absorbed. Uh, I was I was totally absorbed in it because, uh, and I'll let Dean do it because uh, he's going to do it better than myself. But it, but it it's it's focused on the twelve principles of AA, right? So once again, kind of like what you said, Dean. How could you go wrong? These are these are well tested principles. And I, I just love how, how you took your experience and then put those into those buckets of, of uh, principles, spiritual principles from AA. Yeah, thank you. And, and it, that had a huge impact on me because I don't think I was sober for more than maybe a year before somebody mentioned that there were principles attached mm-hmm. to the steps in a 12-step program, right? Um, so as I work the steps, as we all do, um, trying to sort of uh, face what we've done in the past, make amends with people, and then get on the spiritual path. For me, I have trouble sometimes, and maybe people can relate to this. I have trouble retaining information that I read. Like I got to read a book three times before it sinks in, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, I, as much as I love the text that we use in recovery, once somebody put these principles to each chapter or each step, right? I was able to look, and even to this day, ten years sober, I can look at that list of principles. And I can usually run down that list and say, okay, which one do I suck at today? And that's kind of how I've lived for quite a few years. And, uh, you know, and it can be different ones. It, it, a lot of them are courage. A lot of them it's humility, uh, a lot of willingness. But I think I live in step 10, 11, 12, right? That's kind of my life. Mm-hmm. And I love that pocket because um, I don't want to be that guy that works the 12 steps over and over and over again. And I don't judge anybody that wants to work the steps because I know guys that do it once per year mm-hmm. i feel like i dealt with my past i don't run from it i mm-hmm. use it to help other people but for me i want to live in 10 11 12 but that does not mean that i don't have to go back to one of these principles and say okay today let's say it's courage right i have mm-hmm. to go out and maybe write an inventory or today it's uh today it's love because i'm really judging people out there and not acting right and i need a little more brotherly love in my uh in my world so for me it's a daily check Right, right, exactly. Point. It's a daily list to figure out not even right again. You know, where I'll have back. Right, yep, exactly. You know, and that's, that, that's what it's been for me. And it, I have to simplify things. I don't know about you guys, but when it comes to the program and it comes to 12-step recovery, I need to, I'd hate to call it dummy it down, but that's what I feel like. You know, the more simple it is, the easier it is for me to work and the less chance I have to sort of step off that path and start going a different direction or bring bad habits back. 
I wonder with newcomers if like we complicate things too much, right? Like at the first couple meetings, if they sit there and look, man, this is just like, you know, or or if their perception is, hey, this thing's pretty simple. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you my experience. My experience was <clears throat> well, the, you came in with a notebook. I did, but but I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was really complicated. I mean, I really did. I I was That's hearing terms. I was hearing phrases. I was hearing about steps and then service and then surrender and and i'm like okay and i remember one time in a meeting I, I said you know and this is i'm probably less than a year in but close to a year and i said somebody just give me the answer tell me what my priority needs to be here because i'm not getting it so really yeah to your to your point i i i was confused and and overwhelmed so I like Dean's approach. Keep it yeah, simple. keep it simple. Yeah, yeah, when we came in, remember all the phrases and words and stuff that were up on the wall. I mean, sure. I think I just remember uh, <laughs> waterlogged and looking that. at those and kind of hating them at the time. You know, I'm like, what does any of that mean? You know, um, but I remember my world being an absolute huge amount of a pile of problems. Let's say right, all self-imposed crisis. But I remember this old timer told me he's like, listen, just sit down for a second, shut your mouth. He's like. If you work these steps, the rest of that stuff is going to work itself out, I promise you. And I thought he was full of crap, and he was 100% right, and it really did. And quicker than I thought. It was probably uh, my first year of sobriety was definitely the worst and the best year of my life. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I can relate. Yeah, and it's a scary time looking back on it. But I think what's cool about newcomers coming in, if you've got a good old timer in there, they'll bring that back to step one because you know if you st- if you just happen to have a step seven meeting or something you're going to blow that kid's head off sure and they're not going to understand anything that's going on always bring it back to whether you're powerless and then talk about the unmanageability or the spiritual malady we have right yep yep i agree um i love in the beginning of the book and and i just like the way that you kind of intertwined your journey uh from from the beginning of the book and at the beginning of the book you you use my one of my favorite phrases which you were just sick and tired of being sick and tired right and right and i'm like yep i know totally, that's like totally get that i mean that's that's where i was october 18 13th 2018 i was just so sick and tired of the same old thing it was like groundhog's day right i'm like come on man i can't do this another day and uh and and that that your day your your day awakening was is about 10 years ago now right yeah, I think I had a few. Um, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I had a, probably a stack of 30-day chips a mile high, and I had just kept coming back and beating myself over and over again. And I think this, the the time that scared me the most was when I went into um, treatment. I had that, that rock bottom, if you want to call it that. I had been probably going a month strong with just drinking and passing out about three times per day. Sure. Yep. I really I didn't even know what day it was. I was absolutely delirious and I ended up in the hospital with about a 0.39. Um, and they put me in treatment and that was great, but I didn't come out and I didn't change any of my behaviors. I, I, you know, stayed in the same world. I did the same activities. I still played softball. I did all these things that I, I did normally drinking. And within five months I was back to the bottle again. So when it finally came around to 2013, I realized, and I had pushed the envelope far enough, and I realized that uh, once I have a drink, you know, all bets are off, and it just goes down a rabbit hole really quickly. And if I sat there and tried to figure out why I couldn't drink now, like I drank when I was, let's say, 20, mm-hmm. I'd lose my mind. You know, I had sure. to quit figuring out or trying to figure out why, and just realize I'm an alcoholic. This is the life, you know, that I have now. But how can I make this life the best I've ever had? And be happy because the first 10 times I tried to get sober, I, 
I didn't seek that out. I was just going through the motions and I wasn't trying You're to just gain trying to quit any, drinking. Right. Yeah. Spiritually bankrupt, but not filling that hole with anything new. And trying that's to, right. Right. That's where I was at. And I'm so glad that I had people that knew what to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Including my wife, who I knew from the program. And she was uh, she was a couple of years sober. But she man, she just she looked happy and she just she just walked and, and didn't talked. and didn't that just piss you off. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah i had to pretend i wasn't attracted to her because who wants to who wants to who wants to date the the fat crying sweaty guy in the corner right that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> you know i couldn't even get a cup of coffee to my hand it was a smoking meeting back then right, yeah, <laughs> so, right, right. i'm ripping cigarettes uh, i mean i was a mess yeah right right so so i, I lo again love the journey love the uh the principles and i love the fact that it's an application. Like you said, it's kind of a bit of a self-help deal. And, sure. uh, you know, where it's just application. You're just looking at it, and, and you leave each chapter with a couple of questions. And I love that because that's usually what happens to me in a meeting. I hear a statement. I turn it into a question into my head because how does it relate to me? What? How does that apply to my life right now? You know, I mean, right. this guy's struggling with his wife. You would think that might be a waste of time comment in a meeting. But I ask myself, well, hold on a second. Am I being the best husband I could be right now? Am I am I using right. the principles of the program to be the best man I can be? So, Dean, yeah. some people write books to for themselves, right? You know, it's almost like a self-exercise. In, in, Cathartic, hey, I, right? Yeah. that's oh, God, you always come up with the perfect words. Yeah. Cathartic. And and then some people are trying to get a message across. What was your what was your approach here? Was it a little bit of both? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, it was something because we all know that our kids, if you have any, uh, they could go down this path, right? And I'm not saying either of my daughters would, but it's definitely a legacy to leave behind. But it's also we're always in that service mode, right? And we know that we can, as sponsors, help as many newcomers as we can coming in or, or sponsees that we've had for a long time. But for me, I just thought, all right, what's the reach, right? If I finally figured out how to be happy, sober, and live this abundant and you know life full of gratitude, how can you get it out to the most people possible? And like you said, you know the the recovery world's small, but boy, is it getting bigger with social media. You know, I've got friends now across the country that I've never met in person. You mm -hmm. know, and we used to be able to do that through the pandemic, through like Zoom meetings and stuff like this. But it's just it's just blossomed into this huge thing. So. When I started writing it, it was because I felt comfortable enough with 10 years or nine years at the time uh, with my sobriety that I thought maybe it could be useful to somebody who felt like I did when, when I came in where I needed it simplified. And that is a very, and, and Mikey might think the same thing, that it was simplified, that book. It's just like saying, all right, here's my experience. Here's the principle. But after it's done, I always ask that one question, how free do you want to be, mm -hmm. right? Because that's your choice. How free do you want to be in sobriety? And for me, that was the, why I posed those questions. And my and my wife was smart enough to say, "You ought to put a journal entry at the end of it." Sure. Because a lot of a lot of people in recovery love to write. I wasn't a journaling guy. That wasn't me. I didn't come in with a notebook. I could barely write. <laughs> but that's how uh, I was, man. I I mean, that's how I. I mean, I couldn't function. Yeah. I tried me I either. I tried to sit and absorb. That's all I could do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Couldn't function at all. So I hope that answers your question. But for me, it was it was a bunch of things wrapped into one. But if we can help as many people as we can, I said to my wife when I wrote this, I'm like, listen, if this gets into one person's hand mm. and it makes them decide they want to get sober, then the whole thing was worth it. That's exactly what we...
do with the podcast. Have said yeah, that's our, and say about that's the podcast. It's our, our mantra. Like, you know, yep. help one person. And, and, and we have facts. We've done that because it's helped me. Yeah, right, right. Help me. So that's yes. two. <laughs> that's two. Right. We've exceeded expectations. So <laughs> the one challenge I had in in uh, sobriety is, again, you've got these principles. Wait, wait. You only had one challenge? Well, one of the challenges. Thank you for correcting me. One of the One thousand. of the challenges is... Uh, <laughs> And I think you answered it early on because you've got these principles and they're kind of like the Ten Commandments, you know, like how can I be good at all of them, right? So which one's most important? Do I not murder? Do I not steal? You know, in in, in the book, I read the book and I, and I asked myself the question, well, wh- and I think you answered it, where do I need the most work? You know, because I think it's an ebb and flow. Someday I'm more on, I'm more honest and less responsible. Other days I'm more spiritual and less willing. Um, I think, I, I don't think... I have a concrete answer, but I guess what I'm asking you is what, if you had to prioritize, and I think you did the book a couple of times, you said, look, I think this is the most important one, right? Um, going back to that guy who's confused, what's the most important spiritual pr- principle that that one should should hang on to and, and try and follow? I, th- I think it's a two-part answer, and I hope I'm not um, trying to stretch that out, but I, I think that honesty Mm-hmm. Because step one is so important. They always say that's the only step we need to do 100% mm-hmm. correctly, mm-hmm. Um, you know, with 100% of ourselves. Because we are, or at least me, I'll speak for me, I was such a good liar at the end, or maybe I should say bad liar, right? I, I, everything was a lie. I was either covering my tracks or trying to make myself look better or trying to lie to a doctor. It didn't matter. And but the honestly, mental energy that that takes, Dean. Oh, my gosh. I mean, like you can't it, anything you did yesterday. Oh, my gosh. It just sucks the soul out of you. Mm-hmm. It, it does. And you're just wrapped in uh, shame and guilt anyway. And then you're just lying upon lying upon lying. So I think honesty is what kicks off the whole thing. Because if you can't be honest, and that's why they say rigorous, rigorous honesty is what saves us, right? And we don't even know what that means. It took me two years to be able to even come close to telling the truth nowhere near 100% of the time, you know? And I think now I catch myself in lies. And I've, I've mentioned that in the book. I'll even call myself out in the middle of it and be like, no, that was that was bullshit, you know. And then people look at me. Only a person in recovery will understand it, and they'll look at me and be like, "Wow, okay, good catch, Dean," you know. But if it's somebody who's not in recovery, they're like, "This guy is off the wall." Mm-hmm. But my second part of that answer is, I certainly live in ten, eleven, twelve, and to me, ten is that spot check that we always need to do every day. Where all right, where are we screwing up? How do we make amends quickly if we do something wrong? But spirituality was such a kick for me in step eleven because. I had never meditated. I made fun of everybody that meditated the first four years I was sober. And then I, I picked up a new sponsor and he's like, you know, he's this highly riding biker uh, trucker. He, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's not a guy you picture meditating. Right. Yeah. And he was, he was hardcore about it. And he was, he was not making that an option for me. He's like, no, this is something you got to do. We all got a racing mind. So I started that. And then I think the service part of it for me, I can tell you that all those times I tried to get sober first, uh, and then I failed. I had those three sides of the triangle, right? I had the unity from going to those meetings that I loved and had the companionship. I had the recovery. So I had worked the steps, but service was missing. And in my first home group, they would die hard about making sure you took a position that you did service work, no matter what that looked like. A service is a very wide uh, you know, uh, category that you could do a ton of things. That's what saved my life was the service part of that. So I would say service is one of the most important. Honesty kicks it off. Service keeps you going. Well, service gets you out of your own head, you know, gets you out of your own space. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. So what, one of the things I love about the book and, and I love about this conversation is, is where I find myself and what, in retrospect, what the program did for me. And it, it was so much more than just the quit drinking thing, right? So, and that's why I love that, finding myself sober. Okay, here I am. I'm sober. Now what? You know, and I, Glenn has asked that question multiple times. Okay, great. I'm, I'm not now drinking. What? Now, now what? what? Right? And, and what I love about the book is it's a bit of a foundational, you can build blocks foundationally on these principles, and, and, and now you're really finding sobriety. You know, now, now you're finding sobriety. You're not just dry. You know, you're sober. You're, you're living life to its fullest if, you, if you're willing, if you're willing. Yeah, for, for sure. I think it was a three-category thing for me when I got sober this time. I had to get through the steps, and I had to get where I was semi-sane again, right? Mm -hmm. um, but at that point, what I decided probably a year into sobriety, um, I was probably 40 or 50 pounds heavier at the time, too. And I just said, all right, this is going to be a mental, physical, and spiritual thing, and also some emotional, for some emotional intelligence, right? Because I wanted to be there for my kids. I might have not completely been absent as a father, mm -hmm. but I wasn't present, right? Sure, right. You're there. And I, I was there for everything I needed to be, but was I really there? You know, and, and that kind of wore on me and, and made me feel awful uh, for the years that I was semi-mentally absent. So I wanted to fit all those categories. So I, I worked out. I did the meditation. I, I tried to be there for every single thing my kids needed me for. And so it was a four-part thing for me where it wasn't just being dry. And I think that's probably why I finally have some peace after 10 years where I wake up and um, I just want to tackle I just want to tackle the day. I don't ever wake up not grateful now. Mm -hmm. Man, that's fantastic. That is, that is powerful strength, man. Yeah, it's good stuff. So and it's been fun. That's the weird part, right? Like I didn't expect it to be fun. That blows my mind. <laughs> I I know it's like super fun. I mean, and look, superpowers. Sh shit still happens, you know. Shit still happens <clears throat> Does in my it's life. Not perfect. Absolutely, absolutely not perfect. But man, oh man, it's Too fun. Steps it's, harder. Yeah, right. No, I just need to. <laughs> I need to surrender more. Um, do you know? Do you guys notice at this point where something does happen, like a crisis, and you're actually the calm one in the room? Oh, and and people are turning <clears throat> to me. Really, the drama just happened to me over the last week. Absolute nuclear bomb, and and <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting there now. Now I will say, you know, when when the bomb went off, I mean, I immediately like, you know, holy fook. Mm -hmm. And then you know, my immediate thought was. I've got tools to deal with this. Right. That is what I told myself for 10 minutes. I'm like, start using the tools. You've been through bombs. We will get through bombs. There's nothing we cannot get through sober. Right. Yep. That's awesome. You don't need to say anything unnecessary. Like I, and now I can bite my tongue. Yeah. Like, boy, did stuff come out of my mouth that mm -hmm. I regretted. Or yeah, you know? you used to, yeah, right. You used to instant react. Now it's like, hey, pause. Let me, let me, let me assess. Let me pause. Right. You know, yeah, the pause is tough. You know, oh. pause, and everybody else is like freaking around, and I'm like, no, nope, not going to do it. We don't, we do don't it. need to, man. Well, right. and, you, and you're you're Philly, right? Philly, Chicago, and me, Boston. Yeah. Like that is quick mouth, sarcastic, uh, right? And you know, so that that pause is really, really extra. It's, it's oh, but man, I'll tell you what, I love it. I love it. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So, so it's Dean, probably, two things uh, to wrap up, and I man, I love to with you, Dean. Yeah, love love to chat more, but. When I hit two pieces of business, number one, um, the, the the number one compelling reason people should just decide to, you know, to, to grow in their journey. Um, your book obviously would be a recommendation from me, but 
other resources? How would you how would you suggest people start their journey uh, in sobriety? What would you what would your be your because we got a lot of sober curious out there? How would you what would you be your number one? What would be some tools you would use or resources that you might recommend for people? I would think, you know, and you boys would probably agree that I think a 12 step program was the only thing that worked for me. And I tried everything else to get sober Amen. and it did not work. Mm-hmm. Right. So that that's Amen. what I would say first mm-hmm. and foremost. Um, and there's probably different 12 step programs that work. But for me, uh, I'm in the same category you folks are. But mm-hmm. I think that's number one. And you got to surround yourself with sober people, even right. if it's temporary. I'm not saying to dump every friend you've got because you probably grew up with them like I did in my old neighborhood. I love those guys. But I had to surround myself with sober people, get in the middle of the herd, as they as they say, realize even if their advice sounds crazy, they're spot on because they've been through it, mm-hmm. and find a way to forgive yourself and love yourself again, because once you do, you'll be able to love everybody better than you've ever loved people before. I love that. I love that. Um, so let's get to the business part. Uh, how do yeah. people find you? How do people get the book? I think the easiest way, uh, it is uh, available on a couple of different uh, websites and links, but I think the easiest way is to go to Amazon, mm-hmm. just type in Finding Myself Sober or my name, and you'll find that link, uh, and just click on it, and if you if you like it or hate it, uh, write me a review. I don't, I don't care one way or the other, but I hope it helps somebody. I hope just that connect. if you have a yeah. relative, yeah. you know, a relative, a friend who's struggling, uh, buy it and, and put it in their hands and maybe they'll read it and maybe, and, and I'm easy to contact too. So, I mean, if, if anybody wants, uh, my phone number or anything or any link to get to me on Facebook or LinkedIn, I'd be more than willing to give it to people. So. Yeah. And we'll, we'll have the link in our resource room. So, you know, whenever you're sure. listening to this podcast, you can go to our resource room, just look for, uh, the link to this, to this you guys episode. know it's life or death and that's how it I look is. at it. Now. It really is. Even though we're a few years out, it's still life or death. Right. So right. I work it every single day. Yep. Surrender and work. Dean, this has right. been great, man. Dean, thank you so much yeah, for coming in, Yeah, thank you so man. much. And good luck on, on the distribution of the book. I hope it gets into a lot of hands because a lot of people need hope. So I look yeah, forward I, to our I'm, next I'm, coffee. Yeah, sure. If you ever want to have me on again, I'd be the first one to jump at it. So. Awesome. And I hope you both feel better, or at least uh, at least uh, you, Glenn. At least me, yeah. <laughs> All right, Dean. Have a great day, man. Thank Thanks, you. Dean. Take care, brother. Hey, right, Glenn. You. See you. All right, man. Thanks for joining us for today's coffee chat. To contact the show, email us at podcast at sober.coffee. If you need immediate help, the AA hotline is 800-839-1686. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. Remember, Mike and Glenn are sharing their own journey on the path to recovery. Any suggestions, medical or otherwise, are their own experiences and should not be viewed as professional advice. See you next week, and remember, there is a solution. 